Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. But people are trying to eke out their happiness in this little tiny bit of reality. It, you know, it's, it's funny. It's humorous because what I see are these big cosmic beings that have shrunk themselves into this little perceptions and conundrum of fear, doubt, worry, lack, limitation. And they're using all of this power to reaffirm that they're, that they're not good enough mm. or, or they don't have access to greatness. They're actually using the laws in reverse. Not, not their fault. Yeah. It's not like a blame. And so uh, a, a part of the, the job of people who wake up is to actually keep reminding people you're more than you think you are. You're not your body. You're not your mind. You're not what you own. Those are good things, beautiful things. But you're actually more. Hi, I'm Rachel, and in this show, we talk about everything. Life and work, health and healing, relationships with others and with ourselves. These are stories for the seekers. These are conversations for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. You have been on my top 10 list of podcast guests for as long as I've had this show, which oh. is seven years. Wow. <laughs> so, it took you so long. <laughs> I, we have been reaching out to your team really? forever. Yeah. So I was so pumped when we finally got a hold and like we're able to make it happen. So oh, that's yeah, great. probably it just didn't happen until it was supposed, supposed to. to yeah. No, so I'm super grateful that you're here. My babysitter growing up was the Oprah Winfrey show. So I have watched you. <laughs> you watched me on her too. A hundred percent. Like a little girl having no idea what you guys were talking about, just but just absorbing when it. Going so. into your subconscious. Exactly right. Yeah. Maybe just for the audience who isn't familiar with your work already, you could tell us a bit about your journey to be here right now. Well, beautiful. First of all, thank you for the invitation. Yeah. I am Michael B. Beckwith and the founder of the Agape International Spiritual Center. We just finished celebrating our 37th anniversary. So cool. My journey as an adult began uh, as a senior at uh, USC. 
uh, a little bit before that, but, but my opening happened then. I was a psychobiology major, and I began to have a series of inner experiences mm. that at the time I labeled pathological because I was seeing visions, I was leaving my body a lot, hearing voices, things like that. But since I didn't have any spiritual training, I actually thought I was going crazy. So how can I just ask what was your upbringing like in juxtaposition to you having these experiences? I um, was brought up Methodist. Okay. I attended the Holman's Methodist Church as a young boy, went to a congregational church as a teenager. I left the church at around 16. I didn't, there's something off about the theology. I, I liked the guy Jesus, mm-hmm. but the theology just seemed a bit made up. Yeah. <laughs> it says a teenager was like, this doesn't seem right. Yeah. And so I left, me and my, my best friend at the time, we left the church and we became more revolutionary. We wanted to change society. We wanted to work on the behalf of oppressed people. It was a, you know, I was 16, 17, 18, you know, it was, it was a whole different kind of zeal in my life. I attended Morehouse College because that was the alma mater of Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. So I was pulled to go there. I uh, started the Harriet Tubman Prison Committee while I was in college there. Wow. And we were fighting for the rights of prisoners to get paid while they were in prison because it was slave labor. Yeah. So we had rallies in the city. It was really pretty big. How old were you at this point? I was point? 18. I Okay, wait. I just have to ask, like, for, did you come from a family where this kind of, like, what you saw this practiced or? My mother what? was very uh, involved in the civil rights movement. Cool. So actually, she had meetings in the living room when I was a little boy. You know, we were, they were planning what store we were going to pick it next for equal rights, equal pay for women, African-Americans, Mexicans, you know. Yeah. So I grew up in that environment. And so the room was full of everybody, you know, white, black, straight, gay, Jew, everybody was in the room. And so I grew up in a very cultural, diverse vibe. So it was just in my DNA. Yeah, cool. So when I went to college, you know, that was a, a part of what I was I was doing. I moved back to Los Angeles. I tell you, I moved back to Los Angeles. <clears throat> I lost my deferment to go into the service. I was, you know, student deferment. I'm talking about, you know, and because I hadn't, I I left for half a semester. I hadn't gone to SC yet. So in between that time, I lost my student deferment. So I went up to number one in terms of being drafted to go into the Vietnam War. Oh, my gosh. So my father was not going to allow that to happen. He he had gone, he was in the Navy in the Korean War. And when he came home, he told my mother, my son, I was the only son at the time, is never going into the service. I've seen behind the scenes. It's, it's not about communism. They're stealing resources, you know. Yeah. He was very conscious. And so they wanted me to come in, obviously, to go through the prerequisite to be drafted, fill out your medical. So I checked everything was wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> my gums were bleeding. I had flat feet. I couldn't hear. I checked everything. Yeah. And the guy said to me, hmm, you're just the kind of person that we're looking for. Nothing can stop you. <laughs> oh, my God. And so anyway, my father comes to me and he says, okay, we're gonna, we are gonna. have two choices. Conscientious objector, attorney, we're going to go to Oakland because it's a good attorney up there, or you're going to go to Canada for a while. So I'm, I'm like 18, 19 at the time. And I said, wow, I'm going to Canada. Wow. And then Nixon ended the draft. 
So, wow. So all of the pressure. I, I didn't know I had pressure until it was gone. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, subsequently, I'm at USC. Before I enrolled in USC, since you want to know the whole backstory. Yeah, I do. I was in a meeting, another, another meeting of, you know, we're going to change the world by any means necessary kind of meeting. And I'm sitting there and someone behind me says, if you were to take over the world, would the world be any different? So I look back like that. And there was nobody, there was nobody there. So I know I heard it. So the meeting went on again and the voice said it again. If you were to take over the world, would the world be any different? So it was coming from inside of me. So I looked around the meeting and I could see the pathology of the people in the meeting. This person was territorial. This person had jealousy issues. This person always had to be right. I could see all of these things in people and I said, wow, the world wouldn't be any different. We have a right ideology. We have a right intention, but the world would still be the same. So I left that meeting and never went back. And the next week, somebody shot somebody in that meeting. An argument ensued, and somebody pulled out a gun and shot somebody. Whoa. But I wasn't there to be a part of the whole legal thing that happened. I could have even been shot. I don't know. But, but, but so now I didn't have anything to replace this energy. I enrolled in USC, psychobiology major. So that was, my, that was the first experience as an adult, you know, would the world be any different? And did you just sort of like put that out of your mind or were you like, oh my gosh, I think I'm hearing voices? I, I, I asked specifically because <clears throat> a lot of members of this community who listen are really struggling. They are cut off from intuition yeah. and they're trying to find their way back to that inner wisdom, that inner knowing. I'm just curious in your journey, did you just throw it out of your mind or were you like worried? I wasn't worried at the time. When I went to USC and it began to intensify, I got a little nervous because I thought, I'm in a psychology department. We're studying pathology. Yes. So I'm thinking, I'm hearing voices. This is in the book, it says something's wrong with me. Yeah. So the first thing I did is I stopped smoking weed. <laughs> I just said, this has got to be the cannabis sativa. Yeah. So I stopped. The experience is intensified. Okay, I actually saw this. I saw you on someone else's podcast, I think, where you talked about this. And I told my boyfriend because I thought it was such an interesting perspective. You had shared this idea that everyone said that they were smoking to get high. Mm -hmm. And the it was like the first time you did it, you were like, oh, it, my world actually shrank. Yeah, this was I, after that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That, 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 so I stopped. I'll come to that piece. So I stopped and they intensified and I was having... These lucid dreams, I was leaving my body, but I'm totally conscious outside my body. And I would verify it. One time I was sitting in my living room and suddenly I was in my mother's kitchen. She was cooking some chicken. She had a blue dress on. So when I got back to my body, I called her. I said, hey, mom, how you doing? I'm doing okay. I said, are you in your kitchen? She said, yeah. I said, are you cooking chicken? Yes. You have on a blue dress? Yes. So I know something is really happening. So what began to happen, I began to have this dream every single night. And in this dream, these three men way in the distance were chasing me. They were coming closer and closer. And I would wake up before they could get to me. So one night, they're really close, almost as close as you are. 
a little bit further away, but I could see the outline of their face. And I looked to my right, and I could see a small tent. Thousands of people were trying to fit, waiting in line to go into this small tent. And I said to myself, these men can't do anything to me because I have all of my friends with me. I, I knew everyone in line. One by one, they all turned their back on me. Two of the men held me down, and one plunged a knife in my heart. The pain was physically excruciating. Emotionally and physically, physically my body, and I screamed out and I died. And when I woke up, I could see differently. I could see we were surrounded by this presence. The love was so intense that I have no description for this unconditional love. And the beauty, everywhere, total beauty. I could see from the back of my head, I could see everywhere, beauty and love. So my name for God was Love Beauty. The lint in the rug was pulsating with energy. So I could never get back in that box again. I woke up, and now I went on the discovery path to discover what had happened to me. And then that's when I bumped into the teachings of Gautama the Buddha. I bumped into the teachings of the Dhammapada, Jesus the Christianity, Jesus, not Christianity, but Jesus the Christ teachings, uh, Zoriaster, Walter Russell, one of the great mystics. I began to be taught by beings on the other side. When I leave my body, I'd actually be taught by these beings. I didn't know who they were. I found out who they were later. And so my life changed. And I could never get back. And I remember when I woke up, it was like I could see the worry in people. And it was like, why are people so worried? There's no such thing as death. Why is everybody clamoring for money? You know, it was like everything just opened up differently for me. So going back to that experience you're talking about, a number of years later, I had some relatives come visit me. I'm originally from Washington, D.C. And they, they smoke weed. I have no judgment on any of that. I have, I'm judgment-free. I, I don't smoke. So f for the sake of just community, yeah. I took a puff. Yeah. And my consciousness went, <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't know how expanded I was until I took a smoke of marijuana, took mm. I, took I, took I, till I took a hit of marijuana. And then what I thought was high went, my consciousness just shrunk, and I started feeling the anxiousness that human beings feel, the worry, the anxiety, fear of the future. And I was like, do people feel like this all the time? I never did it again. Yeah. And that, was, that was even before I started Agape. It was years ago. So that's how the path began for me. And then I had to continue, obviously, spiritual practices, do a lot of inner work, so that the, the, the personality construct called Michael could be healed and could release uh, limited perceptions and trauma and things like that. You know, so it was a lot of inner work I did. But once, once I woke up from the, the, the sense of separation, I couldn't go back. When yeah. I was little, I had experiences, but I always forced myself back into normal consciousness to fit in. But when that happened... At SC, I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. So do you feel like, and you've had so many decades since then of continued elevation and evolution, do you feel like you're existing on a different plane than most of the rest of the world? I think I have access to different planes, yes. There's a, there's a, there's a sense of peace and well-being 
non-reaction to things. And, mm-hmm. I don't, and that doesn't mean lack of compassion. Of course. It yeah. just means that I, I have an awareness that everything's going to be okay. I live in that dynamic. Yeah. Even if I'm going through a personal challenge, whether it's with the community, whether it's with fundraising, whether it's whatever, I, I just rest in an awareness. It's going to be okay because I'm living in an awareness that it's okay. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, so so I have access and then my my meditation practice continues that access. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Guys, no two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas the food. It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously. You can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. So then my big question is, 
I don't know if you see this, if you sort of pay attention to younger generations of spiritual practice, but something that I see a lot is what I would call from the outside looking in, maybe spiritual bypassing. Mm-hmm. Like they're not, you know, meditating for five hours a day and they're, they're not in life. They're not in sort of everyday life. And for you having access that ability to kind of put yourself into a different space a long time ago, what is the draw to keep doing this work with the rest of us who are trying to, you know, evolve? Because you could just be like chilling, no, living a no, good no, life. No. <laughs> well, I'm a part of what is called the great work, mm. which is to remind people that most most of who you are is on the invisible that you are a part of this grand sea of love and beauty and intelligence, and that you've incarnated to actually bring that dynamic to earth. Mm -hmm. And what happens is the the, the earth plane is so dense with thought forms of separation, fear, doubt, worry, anxiety, hate, even resentment. You know, it's dense. It's really dense. So people get lost in it. They become opinionated. They have points of view. They become separate. So... I've I, I, I recognized and realized that I'm here to do, to help, you know, to, to, that's my calling to assist. Yeah. So the, the bypass that people go through is they either don't continue their spiritual practice or they use their spiritual practice to escape. Yes. You're not to use your spiritual practice to escape. You're actually to use it to actually observe yourself so that you can actually untie the knots of I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I, I, I'm, I'm not available to greater things, you know? So you have to actually observe yourself and then you could actually see all of the thought forms that you have agreed to from, that, that separates you. Thought forms may have come from the family upbringing, what you heard in, in embryo when you were in utero, the societal milieu, the news, you know, we're all kind of somewhat in a hypnotic spell and actually think that what we see on the news, social media, is actually real. Mm. It's actually like a, a little sliver of reality. It's just like so small, but people are trying to eke out their happiness in this little tiny bit of reality. It, you know, it's, it's funny. It's humorous because what I see are these big cosmic beings that have shrunk themselves into this little perceptions and conundrum of fear, doubt, worry, lack, limitation. And they're using all of this power to reaffirm that they're, that they're not good enough mm. or, or they don't have access to greatness. They're actually using the laws in reverse. Not, not their fault. Yeah, It's not like a blame. And so uh, a part of the, the job of people who wake up is to actually keep reminding people you're more than you think you are. You're not your body. You're not your mind. You're not what you own. Those are good things, beautiful things. But you're actually more. Yeah. Yeah. What you just said, like, gave me a, like, oh, when you said the spiritual practice is a chance to observe yourself, is to look at how you're living your life so that you can unravel the parts and pieces that are sort of keeping you from right. expansion. And I haven't heard it put that way before because I uh, meditation is something it's like 
anything else. Like when I'm doing it every day, I feel so good. You know, it's like- You wonder why you stop. Right, exactly. But then getting back into the habit of doing it consistently is this, it's probably the biggest challenge in my life. And when I, you know, every night, every morning, when I'm praying, when I'm talking to spirit guides, when I'm like, you know, please help me to, uh, whatever it is I'm asking for guidance on, it is always the message that I get over and over is come back to this place, come back to this place. So if someone is listening to us right now and they have never tried to meditate, they've never tried to quiet their mind. They, where do you suggest people begin to tap into this other? First vibration? of all, I never tell people to quiet their mind. That's <laughs> good. That's crazy, <laughs> you know, because you uh, that the personality construct. We have a personality. We have sub personalities. The personality determines our personal reality. So I teach people more just how to observe them themselves. So you begin with intention. Why am I sitting? I'm intending to wake up. I'm not intending to get high. I'm intending to get free. So I establish an intention. I want, I, want to, I want to wake up from the sense of separation from who I am. So then after a while, that intention, it starts to develop a feeling. You, you sit down with an intention. It, and so now you, you take your attention and become aware of your intention. And you keep bringing your attention back to it. And then you anchor your, yourself in present moment by just looking at your breath. So you have simultaneous awareness. You have intention and you have breath. So what happens? You're sitting there, your eyes closed, you're aware of your intention, the body's breathing. So now there's thoughts in the mind, there's emotions in the emotional body, there's sensations in the physical body, there's noise in your room. You don't try to stop any of that. You're just aware. Mm. You don't even call it noise. Sound. Sensation. Thoughts. Emotions. So then little by little, you become aware that you're not any of that. That's just passing through your awareness. Waking up is when you realize that that which is passing through you is not you. Mm-hmm. But most people are identified. They say, I am sadness. I am worry. I am anxious. No, anxiety is passing through. Fear is passing through. Judgment is passing through. It's like the analogy I use sometimes is when you look at the ocean, it's water. There are things in the ocean. There's plankton, there's seaweed, there's boats, there's human pollution. But all that which is within the ocean is not the ocean. So all that is passing through us is not us. Who are we? We are awareness. We are pure awareness. So what happens is if you continue to keep coming back, coming back, you get pulled off. Oh, the thought took me off. That emotion took me off. You keep coming back. You keep coming back. You keep coming back. There comes a moment of a breakthrough. We realize and what happens. Now you have choice rather than reaction. You can actually choose to be happy even if not one condition changes in your life. You can actually choose it because you're not all that stuff. And then what happens? Conditions change. Because that's just correct. That's just coagulated energy that was created by your perception. So you're literally your own therapist. Yes, yeah. (laughs) Well, you said, you talked about our personality, multiple different kinds, and then our personal 
Our personality creates our personal reality. Yes. Can you explain the idea of, you just said something, and I'm going to paraphrase you badly, but you said something to the effect of like the version of you that is Michael. Yes. Versus like what you actually are, your perspective on that. Yeah. And like the thought uh, that we sort of choose, we choose our family of origin, we choose for this lifetime, if that's something you believe. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. covered, that's a lot of questions. Okay, there. I know. <laughs> but, the full but, thing. Give us a full thing. <laughs> yeah, we, we we did choose to be here. We weren't pushed into an incarnation. It wasn't like, whoops, I don't want to be here, but I'm here. We actually chose from from what I could see in my own direct experience, you know, we chose to be here. And we had we had a, a part in choosing the conditions we came into and the, the people. They gave us material that was nece- just necessary for our continued unfoldment. So the personality construct is created by time and experience. For instance, I used this example recently, Richard Pryor, great comedian. When interviewed one time, he was asked, you know, how did you get so funny? What, where's your sense of humor come from? He said, when I was walking home from school, there was always these bullies. They would bully the people and take our money. He said, I learned to be funny. You know, I, when I get close to the bullies, I start telling jokes. I'd be funny. You know, so they left me alone. So he developed a personality as survival to basically get through the, the bullies. So we develop personalities based on our environment, experience, some part of our personality could be a coping mechanism, a defense mechanism. We pick up stuff from our parents, our uncles, our aunts. That's so the personality, personality means mask. So it's actually a construct of how we were able to navigate 3D. Behind the mask, behind the personality is pure spirit. It's pure consciousness. It's in we're all individual expressions of pure consciousness. Now, there's nothing wrong with personality. It's, we, it's sweet. It's beautiful. It's just, but what happens is that personality creates our reality. Mm-hmm. You see? So when you meditate, you can start to dissect the parts of the personality that were created from trauma, that's creating perception, that creates experience, that creates drama. You can actually that begin to disintegrate that through observe, intentional observation. So I don't know if I'm answering all your questions. No, I love but, this. But, but you know, there's, in science, it's, called, it's something called the observer effect. Everything you observe changes on a subatomic level based on your observation. Yes. So if you intentionally observe yourself, you're literally changing yourself through observation if you have an intention to wake up. Just observing every day. I'm going to observe myself. Oh, there's that crazy thought. Oh, there's that. So, the, so what happens is... Your, your personality will actually change and it will start to reveal more of the divine personality. Mm. You know, more patience, more compassion, less judgment. We start to seep in. In the beginning, it'll look like people may think she's null and void or she's, she's different, you know, but it, your real you starts to shine through. To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. Honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market. 
because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So when I go online and I use their on-site filters, I can figure out exactly my lifestyle needs and trust that what I'm getting from Thrive Market is what I want to take into my body. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. You can join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash rach for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash rach thrivemarket.com slash rach this episode is brought to you by progressive where drivers who save by switching save nearly 750 dollars on average plus auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Have you ever experienced a time in your life or maybe coached someone as they walked through understanding that a certain personality of theirs was no longer serving them and they needed to let it go? And how do you do that? Absolutely. What happens is as that which no longer serves you, it starts to bubble up. It starts to um, disintegrate, which feels like your world is falling apart, Mm -hmm. either emotionally or mentally and sometimes even Physically, things may shake and shift because it's been held together by your previous perception. So it's the good news. When things start to fall apart, it means that there's something else trying to emerge. So it's a part of, it's a part of the letting go. It's a part of what has to happen. So we build our world based on our perception. So when that perception changes, our will changes. Friends change, relationships change. Things you thought brought you happiness before, you realize, oh, that was just something I was doing to fill in my imaginary hole. This, I, that I really don't have an imaginary hole. I'm really full, but I didn't think I was. So yeah, yeah I coach people through that particular breakdown that is actually providing a breakthrough. Mm. Yeah. Uh, there is this human tendency, though, to cling to those parts, those practices, those habits that made us comfortable, that felt good, even if we know that they're not good for us. What is the advice that you would give to someone who is continuing to reach for things? Like I I think of things that we use to numb, whether it's alcohol or drugs or, I mean, there's all sorts of things, shopping too much, like you name it, that they know that this is not serving them. But there's also this like, yeah, but it feels so good. Yeah. Or temporarily. Right. And yeah. life is hard. And so this is just this like thing 
that, yeah. you know, how, how do we begin? Is it about sitting in the discomfort or yes. the tension? Yeah. Absolutely. You can never get enough of that which doesn't satisfy. You can never get enough of that which doesn't. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. So what happens is the personality constructs, like if I just get more of this, if I go shopping, just get one more thing, if I, whatever, whatever it is. But after a while, uh, when you start to become conscious, you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. It's like it doesn't work anymore. It's like of a, of a, of a, a drug addict has to keep taking more and more drugs. Yeah. The first hit was like, woo. Second hit, woo. Third, fourth hit, I got to take more. Gotta, after a while, it doesn't satisfy you. So you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And that's the beginning of introspection. This isn't working anymore. So there's a part that will reach out still, but it, it just, you can't get high off of shopping anymore. You can't, you can't get high of serial dating. You know, you keep meeting the same person over and over. You know, you can't, after a while, and then you just sit in the discomfort. And it be, it's, a, it's a tender brooding, you know, you're just becoming aware I'm this, I, I, this discomfort is not worse than the fact that I can't get high anymore off of all the stuff that used to get me high. How many times do I go to happy hour and I'm not happy? You know, I'd rather just sit at home now. You know, how many times could I binge Netflix, you know, and it's like, oh, I'm empty. I'd rather sit in the emptiness change starts to happen and a person starts to bump into a level of joy underneath all of that that has nothing to do with the circumstance. The emptiness, is that boredom? Is that like, what do, What has that felt like in your own life? Okay, well, that? now you, you're covering some other material. First of all, in reality, there's no emptiness. You know, that doesn't exist because everything is full of information. It's full of of, of, of a dynamic presence of beauty and mm, it's just great. It appears to be empty. So boredom, boredom, sleepiness, drowsiness, avarice, these, those are all distractions of the mind. And it's going to go back to a question you asked earlier. When you're about to make a breakthrough, the ego sends you all of these distractions. Boredom. Why are you just sitting there meditating? Nothing is happening. Let me go get up and watch television. I gotta call my aunt. I haven't called my aunt in two, three days. I need to call her. <laughs> I need to go fix something the day. And I gotta feed the dog. Dog's not even hungry. You know? So when you're about to make a breakthrough from the personality construct, you're sent all of these distractions. But if you can just sit with boredom, just sit with it. Okay, there's there's boredom. Hmm. There's worry. Hmm. There's doubt. Doubt is a good one. You've seen all these seminars, all these programs. They pumped you up, but then the ego comes in and makes oh, that this stuff doesn't work. It's poppycock. There's doubt. Why does the ego do that? Because the ego lives in the known, and it knows how to protect you in the known. The ego is your protector of your present identity. It's we we give it an ego a bad rap. You know, oh, I got to get rid of my ego. That that's that'll never happen. The ego from an evolutionary context, it protects us so that we can survive. So, so this, this experiment called spiritual beings having a human incarnation, we have to have an ego. So we, we know the difference between us and a saber-toothed tiger or, or 
whatever, then there's tribalism and all of that. But the ego now needs to be transcended because we're separate from our environment. We're gonna strip mine the earth. We're gonna kill the rainforest. We're gonna pollute the rivers. We're gonna not like each other because we have different skin colors and things of that. So we have to transcend that so we realize we're all one. So on an individual level, when we get close to a breakthrough of transcendence, the ego wants to protect us. There was a movie in which Jim Carrey uh, was in this false town. Do you remember this name of that movie? And Yes. Okay. Where they're all, the cameras yeah. are all on him. So from yes. the time he's an infant, they're watching him. He has a fake family, a fake home. But every time he's about to see that maybe he's not in this reality, there's a flood, there's a tsunami, right. there's a hurricane. To keep him in this reality that doesn't really exist. It's fake. The ego's like that. Whenever we're about to break through and wake up, it sends boredom, sleepiness. You get, people go to meditate, they get sleepy, even if they had eight hours sleep. Mm. You know, I'm hungry, I just ate, you know. So that's what the ego does. It's protecting us in our limited uh, identity. But if we become aware that those are just distractions, and we, we say, okay, that's boredom. Hmm. There's doubt. Hmm. There's worry. Hmm. After a while, it loses its power because you've, you, you, you're busting it. You're looking at it. I see you, doubt. I see you, drowsiness. And then a breakthrough happens. You start to wake up. So the average person right now needs to know that when they begin a spiritual practice, it's probably going to start off really nice. And then eventually there's going to be fidgeting. There's going to be, oh, I'm bored. What's Nothing's happening. The ego is going to come and try to stop you because the ego can't, cannot control the unknown. And the unknown is where all the goodies are. This infinite sea of possibility. That's where all the good is. You already know the known. This is, this is, you know, people just keep repeating the known over and over and over again. But to be shocked and surprised by the unknown, more good than you can imagine, whew, that's a whole nother life. What are some of the things, and not just inside of meditating or you're having a spiritual practice, but what are some of the things that you found in your life that you feel like separate you even further from that consciousness? From the consciousness of who I am? Yeah, like, are there things like as basic as the food that you eat, the way that you live? Like, are you are there things that you do that you feel like help you to be more I grounded see. and centered and connected? Yeah. When I look at my life right now, I have spontaneity, but there's also a rhythm and a routine. I'm pretty much plant-based. I don't tell everybody to do that. Yeah. But for me, I like the energy of organic living food because we are energetic vibrational beings. So I want to, I don't want to put a lot of dense food in my body. I know I could deal with it. I know my consciousness can handle it, but, but I don't want to put it through all that, you know? So you I feel like to, you had more, do you feel like you've had, you have more clarity, more clarity, you're eating lighter, more clarity being lighter. Yeah. Uh, I don't have, I don't um, overwork my pancreas, which is going to have to produce more enzymes to digest you know, uh, bad food, even though I figure I, I probably can heal it, yeah. but, but why do it? 
Yeah, I saw, I was listening to Rob Deerdick, uh, has a podcast. I was listening to him a few weeks ago and I thought it was so fascinating. He was the first person I've ever heard talk about how much his nutrition affects his vibration. He, he feels like his ability to manifest in his life. Like it was, he said the single greatest game changer in his life was mm -hmm. changing what he consumed. Yeah. I mean, and, I've been plant-based for 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're like, I've got, I've got the data. <laughs> yeah. You know, but when I first started out, cause I, I had my spiritual awakening and I'm not telling anybody to do this. Everybody needs to do their own research and knows, does, and does what feels good to them. But I, I, I was eating a piece of chicken and suddenly I felt the pain of the chicken I felt it. I was so sensitive. Yeah. I said, what's, what is this? So I stopped, I stopped eating meat. And I remember my mother was so worried because I, I was a meat eater. You know, I loved her chicken. And she said, what are you going to eat? I said, I'm going to eat vegetables, <laughs> you know. And then later on, I became aware that I didn't need to eat protein to get protein. All I needed was amino acid, the proper amino acid, you know. And then, I be, then later on, I became aware of the environmental concerns of, of, you know, industrial meat industry. So all three of those things kind of impacted my decisions, Yeah. you know? So yeah, there's, there's diet, uh, there's exercise, you know, I, I wake up in the morning and I wake up and first of all, I, I smile and I, and I'm grateful for my life. And then I surrender to life. And then I say, what's my assignment today? And give me the strength to handle whatever assignment comes to me. I do some brief exercises. I go hydrate with some minerals, lemon, warm water. It's a whole thing that I do. I make a special tea. Then I go to the gym. I work out. Then I come back. I meditate. Make my shower, do my shower and all that stuff. Then I go into my day. So it's it's a basic routine. Then And then throughout the course of the day, if I have a staff meeting, it always begins with meditation and prayer. So then I'll meditate before I go to bed. Uh, and then I have things I read when I first wake up and things I read when I go to sleep. What are those things? They change every day? Well, right now I have 17 things on my list. It's right here on my phone. Oh, wow. So right before I go to bed, I just read it. So I, I penetrate my subconscious mind. And one of them says, I, Michael, am the light of the Christ consciousness. All of my needs are met. My body temple is perfectly healthy. Agape has all of its needs met to help humanity to spiritual liberation. And then I have my family. I have people that I'm praying for. They're all in this. Mm. So before I go to sleep, that's the last thing that goes into my mind. Then when I first wake up, it's the first thing that goes into my mind. So I don't jump on social media first. I don't check my text first. I, I go and I, I probe. So your mind, if you're not thinking for yourself, something's thinking for you. So Ooh, we needed to hear that. If <laughs> yeah. you're not thinking for yourself, something's thinking. Yeah, so I don't let the world think for me. Yeah. I think for myself, this, this is what I want in my mind. Now I can do those things I just mentioned. I can go into the world, but the world is not going to program me. I, I'm going to program me with the life I want to experience. So when I can look, so if I look at the news, I, I tried it one time about a couple of weeks ago. And what I did was I was watching a basketball game and I decided to look at every commercial. Just... You know, just, just out of curiosity, yeah. Because yeah. I, you know, normally I just mute it, go to the other room, and every single commercial was a lie. It was all lies. They had all these 
fast food snacks. You're going to feel better if you eat this. Oh, take this. You'll have a happy meal. It was all this stuff. And none of it was true. And I'm thinking, you know, we have heard that if you tell a lie long enough, people actually believe it. So I'm looking at all these commercials and then the little new stuff coming in. And it was a reality that had nothing to do with reality. And I'm thinking about the average person yes. sitting and looking at their favorite program. Here comes a commercial. Here comes a news item. And, and they can just be pulled into this very limited perception and actually believe what they're looking at. It just, like I said, wow. I mean, I knew it already. Yeah. But to actually go back and have another experience of it and say, people are actually looking at this and think that this is going to make them happy if they eat that chip or whatever it is that they're selling. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and it has no nutritional value. Yeah. Zero. Sure. Yeah. It's uh, honestly, the scrolling through social media these days, I feel like sometimes I find it super entertaining and wonderful because I'm watching dog videos. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Those, there are some things. There's some great things, yeah. but then there's other stuff that I'm like, oh God, that what? This is what we're we care about right now. I mean, I understand I get served very different videos than either one of you might get served. But a few weeks ago, I was scrolling through and it was all of these videos of women telling other women what trends were out and what trends were in for the new year. These are the clothes you have to clothes. buy. This is uh. the makeup you need. This is, we don't <laughs> do this anymore. You have to do this anymore. And I mean, that's been happening since oh, forever. Yeah, that's the 30s. But same as you, I'm like, dang, if you're not taking a step back yeah. and seeing that for what it is, you might believe that that is the answer. You might believe that you have to do certain things to have worth. You might believe that yes. that is true. And so, yeah, this this it's, idea and of then just. The, it's the hate sphere sometimes because people, if you share a different opinion, yeah. a person will attack you just because you have a different opinion. Yeah. You know? Remember the movie The Wiz? Yeah. When they had, now it's green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> green is now out. It's now purple. You know, it was it was a mocking what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. You know, it's like, we're going to change the trend. I call it the tyranny of trends mm. in my book, Spiritual Liberation. It's like, it's the tyranny of trends. People get caught up in the tyranny of trends and lose themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you're paying attention to that, what are these bigger things that you're sort of missing yeah. on a higher level? This is this micro thing that doesn't, you know, matter on the grander scheme of life. Yeah. I would love to ask you some super woo-woo questions. Okay. Will you will you do I mean, where I feel like for most people we're already having pretty woo-woo <laughs> chat, but um you know, I <laughs> You know what I was just thinking? 30, 40 years ago, this was all woo-woo. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And now it's seeped into the conversation. You got the law of attraction. You got meditation. You have things now that you can talk about. 30, 40 years ago, it was like, they're just sitting there doing nothing. Yeah. Their eyes closed. That's silly. <laughs> you know what I mean? What do, what do you mean they're imagining a better life for themselves? That's silly. As a spiritual teacher, what does that feel like to get to the place in the evolution where it's more the norm? To actually see... That which used to be peripheral now be central. It's beautiful. Good. It's like, because now you have epigenetics, you know, you have the quantum physics, you have um, biohacking, you, you have brain mapping, you have all of this science now proving what we were saying 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. You know, we have the science. Science and spirituality are now married again. Yeah. Because they divorced many years ago. 
you know, you were either a science guy or you were a spiritual guy. Now it's like different language describing the same same thing yeah. absolutely well you mentioned it so i would love to take a, a deep dive on law of attraction yeah i think that's probably if people didn't meet you on oprah yeah then they might have met you watching the secret documentary right. right so what for i mean i feel like this audience will they'll so get this concept because i talk about it all the time but from your perspective can you talk about vibration the vibration yes. we put out and then what sort of comes into our reality because of our vibe yeah your vibe determines your tribe yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically the law of attraction is a linguistic convenience that's describing your shifting in vibration so let's say you want something better in your life and you begin to imagine it the first level you imagine it and then you feel that it's already happening it's not the future. Okay, so that's the thing. Let's stop there because yeah. people get, this is the thing I feel like there's a disconnection from is maybe they hear you right now and they're like, Michael, how can I feel like I'm out of debt yes. when I'm so stressed about the right. bills that I have to pay right. this week? So what I, what I help people do is close your eyes, imagine, either remember or imagine a moment. It doesn't matter whether you remember it or imagine it because the brain doesn't know the difference. Yeah. Remember or imagine a moment in your life where all of your needs were met. You could have been five years old and your parents were buying you dinner. Yeah. Or they were taking care of everything so you didn't have to go out and pay rent. It doesn't matter. Imagine or remember, since you brought this, this was your example, when all of your needs were met. Just imagine that. That's a feeling. Okay. Now from that feeling, uh, begin to see, imagine yourself being prosperous. So you're, but it's happening now. That, that memory or that imagination is flooding your body with tonic chemicals. It's creating a level of coherence around the brain. It's um, amplifying the efficacy of your immune system. That manifestation is happening right this moment. You, you have just changed your body chemistry. So if you keep coming back every single day, imagining feeling a time when your needs were met, seeing yourself as a prosperous being. So then what happens? It starts to change your behavior. Your posture changes. You start to act prosperous. You worry less and less. And now the law of attraction says you start to bring other opportunities into your life. So the way I describe it is this. You're seeing, feeling, all needs met. So attraction then becomes the law of resonance. You, you, you start to vibe it. You're, mm -hmm. you're resonating with that feeling. And then your practice keeps you in that field. And then resonance then becomes the law of radiation or radiance. You start to radiate it. So the law of attraction is actually radiance. You're actually radiating. And then that what? that manifest as conditions and circumstances to provide you prosperity, meeting the right people, opportunities that you didn't see before, possibilities that you didn't even notice, but now they're there. You see, it, it changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. The example that I, I just did a podcast uh, a couple weeks ago where I was talking about 
dating again after a big hard breakup. Yeah. And my advice, which is, you know, in my limited experience, is that if you immediately try and date on a rebound, right? You just went through a really hard breakup and you immediately try and find someone else for whatever reason, and you haven't done your healing right. from that past relationship, that your vibration that you're going to put out into the world, whatever you're currently processing is what is going to attract into your life. Yeah. So it's impossible, maybe not impossible, but probably really hard to get a quality partner when you are still struggling with issues from the last thing that you've just left. Absolutely. Or, you know, when you go out and you're having the best day, you're, you know, my birthday just passed. So I think about mm -hmm. like on my birthday, I'm like the happiest I am all mm -hmm. year. You're having a great day and you go to the coffee shop and you get your coffee or whatever. You're having a great day. And the barista is also having a great, and it's like <laughs> everyone you meet is yeah. happy. It's, it, that's not true. You also walked by all sorts of people that day who weren't at that right, right. vibration but you're not sort of attracting that into your space. I feel like I've heard you say before, it's like a radio dial. Yes. Like you're tuning into a certain station on the radio. And if you're at different frequencies from this thing that you'd like in your life, you're not going to bring that in. Yeah. You, you, you won't be, if you do, you won't be able to sustain it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, is that a thing? Like people bring stuff into their life, but then they can't hold on to right. it. Right. It's like holding a beach ball underwater. It's like you can, you can hold it. But as soon as you let it go, it's going to float out to the top of the water again. Is that why people <clears throat> who like win the lottery yes. or that the, it's gone again and they don't have a vibrational match for abundance and prosperity? So they just it burns a hole in their pocket. They got to spend it. They got to buy 20 cars. They got to they got, you know, and then five years later, they're poor again. Oh, you know? I, I bet so many people listening to this are having a light bulb moment yeah. where they're like, oh, that's me. Yeah. I built to this place in my business and all of a sudden, I can't, I can't hold it. Like I, I've had, there's a lot of entrepreneurs in this community and I've heard them yeah. say this a lot, that they can make the money, but they can't seem to hold on to it. They yeah. can't put it in their savings. They can't bring it home. Right. What is happening then and how could they change that vibrational frequency? Yeah, I, I, I say you, you can't have what you're not willing to become vibrationally. You can get it temporarily. But unless you actually become that. So there has to be structures put into place, spiritual practice. But if you're talking about money, there are structures in terms of, uh, like I teach, you never spend money. You circulate money. You circulate money, yeah. You know, so or you, you invest money. You invest, you, yeah. you circulate, you save. So you have, you have to have certain structures, you know. But you never say, I'm going to spend money. That's, when you spend it, it's gone mm -hmm. mentally. Mm-hmm. But if you circulate... For instance, you go buy a loaf of bread. You imagine that that person that you're buying bread for is going to circulate that energy and they're going to pay for their kid's preschool. That preschool teacher is going to circulate that money and they're going to pay their rent. You know, so you see the circulation and it comes back to you. If you spend it, it's gone. So you have to have a structure that creates like, um, like little dams. So every time I get money, I am going to put an X amount that I'm not going to touch. It doesn't have to be a lot. You know, so the, you know the, the proverbial thing is, is, is 10%. You put away. And then, you know, you have a piece that you give to your charity or your spiritual community, whatever, and you live off the rest. And little by little, you start living off less and less of the rest. So what happens is people say, yeah, well, I'm only saving X amount. That's not a lot. doesn't matter. 
because your subconscious mind will see that you have something. The law biblically says, they that have, you know, to he or she who has, more is given. To he or she who has not, even that which they have shall be taken away. That's a law. So if you feel that you have, more comes. If you feel that you don't have, you lose what you have. So there are people that have a lot, but they, they still are in survival. So they're constantly churning to get more and more and more, and they end up going up and down with it. So if you take a little, but you look at it and you say, I have something. The law says, you yeah, have something. Yep. And more is given. But if you say, oh, my God, I don't have enough. <sighs> the law says, yeah, you're right. See, the, 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 the universal presence loves you so much that if you feel good feeling bad, it'll let you feel bad. Okay, wait, say this again. <laughs> if you feel good feeling bad, yeah, yeah it's going to keep... It's this idea that what we think about, what we focus on, yeah. we just create more of. Yeah. It, it, you, you actually produce toxic chemicals that people become addicted to. People become addicted to a mood. Mm-hmm. Being angry. Mm-hmm. They've mo- been angry since 1972. <laughs> yeah. We all have those people in our family. Yeah, we think about that person. Uh, yep. They may have changed and grown, but you see them, you get upset. So your body is basically producing that chemical that makes you feel bad, but you feel good feeling bad because you feel good not liking them. Yep. <laughs> but if you just forgive, then you start producing tonic chemicals. And then there's longevity and there's healing and, you know... So what the universe says, okay, right? Yeah. You have free choice. There's no limitation. You can't have free will and have limitation built into it, you know? Yeah. So. Oh, that's good. And I think the the idea of abundance mindset as it pertains to finances specifically is something that really resonates with me because I have experienced the ups and downs of that so much in my life. I came from a family environment where finances were huge struggle for us. And I heard so many fights around that and sort of everything you can think of surrounding that idea. I have experienced super highs when it came to making money. But I think what you said earlier resonates with me so deeply, the idea that I wasn't yet at a vibrational match for that. So it the more that I made, the more overwhelmed I felt. Like I was just like, well, I don't know what to, you know, what to do or almost feeling like I didn't deserve this. Yes. Uh, You know, generationally, my family has been poor for so long. And so I have no frame of reference for what this looks like or what it's meant to be. And I remember the worst, the worst that it ever was, was in 2020, after my divorce, just being financially obliterated by that. Mm -hmm. And I have long been the breadwinner for my children and my family. And I just, the stress of that and my employees at work. And I just, I lived in it for like 18 months, just every day sick to my stomach. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And the two things that really helped me were one, taking stock of who was in my life. Mm -hmm. I, I hadn't become conscious of it then but you know that that old expression i think it's jim Rohn, who's like you're the combination of the five people you spend the most time with right right right. everyone who was around me was scarcity mindset when it came to finances my cfo my Mm -hmm. accountant all of these people and it was the pandemic everyone was so scared and i realized 
I was like, what happened? I am a optimistic person. I, you know, I find a way. I'm not really a worrier. What has happened to shift my the way I'm thinking about this? And one was first realizing who was speaking into my mind. Like yes. you said, like someone else is gonna take control of your mind if you don't. And then the second was to realize, oh my gosh, I am in such a scarcity about this. Mm -hmm. And the shift of practicing an abundant mindset and going back to I have everything I I will ever need. Yes. And the the line that really helped me that I could cling to in my meditations was your whole life you've always been taken care of. Yes. That's there was it. not one moment. There were a lot of hard times. Yes. But there was not one moment where you didn't come out the other side of this yes. okay. And that was sort of my step, yes. this ladder. And I remember very distinctly a moment of just like you have everything you need. You ha I just kept coming back to this idea. You have everything that you need. And it just so happened, I went into my banking app that day. Mm -hmm. And I was just sort of messing around. I had never really looked at it, mm -hmm. which is also probably a bad thing. <laughs> I was so scared of money that I didn't check want every now Yeah, and then. right? <laughs> and I went in and I noticed our business credit card, which I had used for years and years and years. And I saw this thing on the business credit card, this little this little button that said rewards. Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, that's cool. The the business card's attached to rewards. And I tapped it and the number that came up, it was points, yeah. but it was in the millions. It was crazy. <laughs> and I was like, what does this mean? Like maybe I get airfare or what does it mean that I, so I start reading more and I realize that those points can be exchanged for cash. Yes. And then I'm like, well, how much cash is each point worth? And I found the answer and I, I remember I did it on a calculator like 20 times. I was like, there's no way. There's <laughs> no way that I have this much money in credit card rewards. Right. And I had no idea it was there. Right. And I sent it to my accountant. Does this mean what I think it means? She's like, oh my God. Yeah. Like press that button. Get that and money. Press that button. I still have a screenshot of it on my phone yes. because I remember this moment of like, you have everything you need. Dorothy and the Ruby Slippers. Right, right. It was already here. Yes. That money was there. Yes. It was mine. For, I didn't even know because I, I was so afraid to look at what was there that I couldn't see the yeah. support that I had. Right. And that, that which you just described is a technology. Think of a moment where there was no way, but a way was made. And then you feel that frequency yeah. and you live in that. Yep. You know what you reminded me of? I remember... A uh, number of years ago, I was going through a similar situation, and I I, I don't remember how this happened. No, I, I was cleaning out an office, and I found a document of a, of a um, an investment program I was involved in that I'd forgotten about, and it was like a something I was using for retirement or something, and I was wondering why I hadn't received any correspondence regarding this for years. I said, "Well, I haven't seen that." Somebody had been stealing my mail and sending it somewhere. And so anyway, I tracked it down. They couldn't get any money out of it. But I had a few hundred thousand dollars in this account that I had forgotten about oh my because gosh. I hadn't received any correspondence. And I said, what? Do I really have this money? And I did. Yeah. But it was like it was there. Yeah. And I found it during a time where it's like, I could really use some money right now. Yes, yes. You know? But like you said, I had it all the time. And I was kind of glad that somebody had stolen my mail. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like these miracle moments yeah. 
that I love that you said like tap back into that feeling. Yeah. My ex-husband, my children's father passed away last year mm-hmm. and I was the exec, I am the executor of his estate and right. trustee and all of those things. And when it was so, I mean, for so many reasons, it was like one of the most stressful times in my I whole life imagine. and yeah. trying to guide my kids through that and just all the things. And in becoming the executor of his estate, I was aware that I was going to have to sell his house. Mm-hmm. And I just, in in the midst of everything else, this felt just impossible. It felt so overwhelming to me. And I mean, I even talking to you right now, I can feel that yeah. feeling in my chest again and trying to map out. So I start, okay, I'm going to have to figure this out. And I start looking on Zillow. I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure out, okay, what do you even sell this for? And how does this work? And I see that a bunch of houses, there were probably five or six in the place that he lived out in the country, five or six that were same size, you mm-hmm. know, same kind of same house. And they had been sitting on the market for over a year. And I was like, oh no, mm-hmm. I can't, I I don't know. I can't show this house for a year. I can't, I just start, and I start swirling and what, and I'm, it, I just heard this voice inside me that was like, nope. We don't believe this. Right. The universe can do whatever she wants to do. Right. She can make miracles. We don't, we're not gonna uh, hold on to this. This doesn't serve us. Right. Anything can happen. And I was like, okay, just take steps, start the process, get the ball rolling. I didn't know a real estate agent. I send a text to a parent of uh, my my kid's friend. I send a text to her. I said, hey, I know you guys sold your house last year. I need to sell this house uh, do you have anyone there that you love? She's like, oh my gosh, you got to call this guy. He's awesome. We've used him like five times. Call him. So thank you so much. I get the number. Literally, Michael, three minutes later, she texts me and she's like, hey, my parents have been trying to move closer to us for about two years. <laughs> and they knew the house because they had brought yeah. the kids over there. We love that house. Do you think could my parents go look at it? And I was like, oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But just, I haven't cleaned it up. There was an ice mm-hmm. storm. The yard's a mess. She's like, no, no, no. They totally get it. Can they just go look at the house? And I'm like, absolutely. They go look at the house, get a note from them two days later. Hey, we'd love to buy this. What What are you selling it for? <laughs> never put it on the market. Right. Never used a real estate agent. Never. I could cry telling right. you that story. It was within... A week, yes, completely buttoned up. I did nothing, yes, and it was. Well, you just, did something. Well, I mean, but, <laughs> you opened up to the possibility, right? Yeah. But I mean, it, it not to like make everything, but it really, I can see this happen again and again in my life, not just with money, but with relationships, with yes. opportunities. That when you just you have faith that it all be okay. Yes, might not be okay tomorrow right. or next week, but it right. will be okay at some point. Right. If the mind does not see the possibility, then you cannot manifest. Mm. You have to see the possibility of it. And then from the realm of possibility, things begin to maneuver energetically for it to unfold. Yeah. I have always wondered, and I feel like you're the right person to ask, for spiritual teachers like you who figured out who the law of attraction manifests, you, you've known about this for a while. There's a I'm positive that you have. That... I think when people come into the idea of law of attraction or manifesting, it usually takes like there you it's usually a I would like more money, right? That's where it's <laughs> I want more money, I want more clients, I want this, I want yeah, that. Yeah. It's about things. Yeah. 
But at some point in the journey, if you're actually evolving and learning, <laughs> it's like, this doesn't matter anymore. Because right. when I first started to learn about this, what I wondered is for people like you who have this knowledge, well, why aren't you a billionaire? Why aren't you, like, why Who aren't- I'm not a billionaire? No, right, you could be. <laughs> You're totally right. That's, no. I have, no. A, I have a billionaire consciousness. Hey, there you go. But that yeah, I, but I every think. single teacher that I see yeah. who, like, knows this so completely yeah. is not concerned with the frivolity of Once you humanity. see through it, yeah. you know, you have your needs met. You live in prosperity. I have everything I need. Right. You know, I have money in the bank. I have enough money to help my kids. To help people, you know, it's it's enough. I ha I have enough. Yeah. And 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 the flow keeps happening, but you grow beyond materialism and consumerism. It's not it's not important. It's like when I look just personally, if I look at my bank statements at the end of the month, I very rarely buy anything for myself. Just I have my basic needs made, but I'm not. I don't buy anything. Like once a year, I buy a new couple of new suits or something, or some new shoes. But most of my money is basically helping other people. You know what I mean? I give to my own community, and I help my kids and my grandkids and stuff like that. But I don't need anything. I, yeah. I don't have any holes to fill. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm good. You know, my, my daughter's a stylist, so she'll make sure I have good clothes. Good. <laughs> she'll, she'll come home with stuff. Dad, you need a new whatever. You haven't bought any sweats in a long time. Yeah. You know? But if I need to generate, like, so right now, I'm opening myself up because Agape's 37 years old. We've moved a few times. So now we're opening up as a board and a community to actually demonstrate the building for what we need. You know, so we're, you know, so we're opening ourselves up. So I'm watching that happen. I'm mm -hmm. watching donations rise. I'm watching people show up and say, no, we want to give to Agape. We don't know why. I said, well, I know why. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and things like that. But... I think that I, I know billionaires, yeah. I counsel billionaires, and a lot of these women and men are extremely unhappy. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have so much money to get in trouble with. Yep. <laughs> and, but they haven't, they haven't found that place within themselves where they're content, they're happy. They, they, they haven't found that place within themselves where they can make a big difference in the world because there's no way they're going to spend a billion dollars in a lifetime. Yeah. There's not, and some of them are trying to get two million and eight million, eight billion. It's like, what are you going to buy with eight billion that you can't buy with one billion? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, a, a guy came to me, I'm th I see his face right now. And, and so I, I met with him, a counseling session. And uh, he says, yeah, I want to I work on my prosperity. I, I didn't know what he did or anything. So we're talking. And so I start asking him questions. I say, what's your annual income? And, it's big. I said, really? Hmm. And he said, I also get a bonus at the end of the year too. And he, he's making a lot of money. And I'm saying, you're coming to me for prosperity? <laughs> you know? And he says, yeah, I'm always broke. I said, what are you doing? He's buying all these suits every week, all these shoes, these, these cars. He's, I said, you have a circulation issue and a savings. So you don't have a, pro a prosperity issue. You just don't know what to do with your money. What's, what's going on with you? So anyway, we broke it down, and he had a whole lot of childhood trauma. had a lot of stuff that he was trying to fill up with stuff. Yeah. You know, so I said to him, you know, after we, I worked with him for a while, I said, you know, one day you're going to write a check to Agape for a million dollars. He got so nervous about it. 
I said, oh, yeah, you are. Yeah. You know, it's going to be no problem for you. Yeah. I said, but we got to get your life together first, you know. And so now he's well on his way to balance, stabilization. He's developing his sp spiritual practice. He went to India with me. Cool. You know, and it, I'll just tell you a quick story. We were in India, and he's looking for his guru. You know, I got to find a guru. I got to find a guru. We're going all through India. And uh, there was a woman at the beginning of the trip who had a stroke. And she's laying in the, in the ground. The ambulance comes. And so I stand in front of her and I'm praying for her. And she, she colds out, you know. And uh, they take her to the hospital. So we don't know what happened to her because we're still on our trip. And we see a lot of beautiful things. So we come back. And she's there. She's healthy. Not healthy, but she's in a wheelchair. And she's saying, Michael, I, I left my body and I saw you were praying for me. And I could see all these colors, purple, coming out of your prayer. It made me want to come back. And, and she's saying all this stuff that she saw from the other side that I was doing. And so he looks at me and says, I've been looking for a guru all this time and I've been traveling with you. <laughs> Well, if someone is on, you know, like the client that you met with, or maybe they're making their first thousand dollars in their business, like yeah. it's it's not the eight billion or yeah. whatever. What are those lessons we could be learning now so that we don't get to decades from now and we're still it doesn't matter how much money we make, it'll never be enough. Okay. So in business, I teach the P's purpose, people planet and profit. So your business has to have a purpose larger than making money to be sustainable by the energy that's on the planet right now. The energy on the planet is basically sustaining businesses that have a larger purpose. The earth is alive. She's vibrant and she's waiting for humanity to catch up. So you have to have a large purpose. Why, why is this business? Is it to help people? Is it, is it a quality thing you're making that's really going to assist people? Or are you just making some slock? That's going to be in the landfill, you know, two months from now, you know. So you have to have a larger purpose. Then, is it really helping people? Three, is it is it helping the planet or is it degrading the planet? And then you have profit. You have to have profit to sustain the business. Yeah. So those are, those are the P's. So then you have to build into your business from the beginning your give back. So there's the success 1.0. Success 1.0 1 is... I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to be a multimillionaire. Success 2.0 is I'm going to be a millionaire or a multimillionaire and I'm going to become a philanthropist. Success 3.0 is built into my business from the beginning is my give back. So as I'm building my business, I have a budget item. This is what, what's important to me are the rainforest. What's important to me is this spiritual community. What's important to me is sex trafficking and I want to stop that. So I put in my budget I'm going to give a little percentage of that, of every profit I get to that. So it's built in. So then as I make more money, that line goes up. Mm -hmm. If I wait till later, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Because it's not a habit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I can't write a check for $50,000. That's too much. I write a check for $500, you know. But if you build it in, then as your business grows, it's already built in. It's just a part of your budget. Yeah. So that's how you develop the structures for the prosperity to keep coming because you're in tune with the higher purpose. Mm. 
Okay, I, I said I was going to ask you a woo-woo question. So this yeah. is this is it. Have you heard about the Mandela effect? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so what is your perspective on this? Because when I first heard mm-hmm. about it, there were so many examples that I'm like, I remember that differently. Yeah. And the one that's been really popular lately is the Fruit of the Loom I saw cornucopia. Yeah. And, the, and I remember when people said, oh, it never had one. I was like, yes, it did. Yes, it did. And apparently there was a woman who became obsessed with the fact she knew it existed. And she obsessively started going through old clothes, like going to thrift stores, whatever, till she found T-shirts with the logo, with right. the cornucopia. But Fruit of the Loom, the company said this never existed. Right. So... The thing I heard most recently was this was like, I don't know, the powers that be trying to see if they can rewrite history. Right. But maybe that's crazy, but it's fascinating. I'm curious what you think. Well, I, 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 I saw that too. I saw that yeah. recently. It yeah. just popped up on, yeah. my, on my screen. I, and, and I've heard about the Mandela effect on so many levels. But we actually, when we do our inner work, we actually change the past because the past is malleable. You know, the past, the present, and the future are happening simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And it, it's and, and so there's nefarious uses of technology we know about. You know, the CIA uses all kinds of technology for all kinds of reasons and other intelligence agencies around the... And then we're doing our spiritual work. So when you heal, you're actually, in many cases, changing your past. Mm-hmm. You're changing your perception of the past which heals you in this moment, which also can change something in the past, the memory of it or whether it really happened because it didn't happen on the spiritual level. Mm-hmm. It only happened on the personality level. So I think the Mandela effect is something I'm, I'm going to explore a little bit more because I think it's a combination of all of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love that you brought this up because this idea of past, present, and future all existing simultaneously used to really blow my mind. Like I couldn't wrap my mind around it. And I feel like I have a better understanding of it today. But in particular, there's a piece that I am just in love with this idea. And I, of course, keep finding books that just happen to mention the same thought, which is that when we do healing work on our past, I've done a lot of therapy, a lot of inner child work, Mm -hmm. a lot of energy work. And the people that I'm working with often will, I have a great energy healer named Kim. And Kim will often say, you know, let's say I'm thinking of a hard moment when I was 13 years old. Mm -hmm. And she'll say, okay, close your eyes. I want you to imagine that you are sitting with your 13-year-old self. What does she need to hear? What Mm -hmm. does she need to see? What does she need you to know? And I I will have this conversation with my 13-year-old self. And it has been the most healing therapy I have done in my life Mm -hmm. is this kind of therapy. And I've learned to do that a lot when I'm triggered in a moment. If I'm feeling, I'm like, okay, which, what's showing up right now? All Mm -hmm. right, this reminds me when I was 27 and this thing happened. Okay, what does your 27-year-old self need to learn? So I saw something that said along the lines of when we heal, when we go back and heal a younger version of ourselves as we are today, you know, this has profound effect in our life. So if that, were true, then every time that you sort of get some inner wisdom, Mm -hmm. every time you hear that voice behind you that says, would it be different if you were in charge? 
Might that actually be your future self, your wiser self guiding you in that moment? Absolutely. And this, I just That's find the future this so affecting the past. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Have you read um, Martha Beck's book, uh, Integrity? No. Oh. I'm, I'm just starting to read books again. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I went through, when I was first waking up, I read a lot of books just yeah. to validate what was happening to me. Then I stopped reading. Yeah. I read novels and stuff like that. Because I was getting more things direct, but now I'm I'm fascinated by reading again. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to get back to that. She gives a really beautiful example of that in her book of a, a future self sort of talking. Well, I'll tell you what happened to me. Yeah. Um, when I was 27, I was um, I had awakened. I was driving uh, to the valley. I was going to speak at a senior citizen center. They asked me to come do a little lecture, and it just finished raining, and I was thinking, I didn't have any money. I was thinking, what, what, is, what is my future going to be like? What, what am I going to do with my life? Okay, I'm, I see that God is everywhere. What is, what is so what? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I had a son and wife. And, um, and so I was just, it wasn't like total worry, but it was still like wondering, what, what, what did my future hold? So anyway, the clouds parted and it was beautiful. Anyway, I had this vision, had this vision of myself, myself talking to me. And it said, don't worry, I'm here. I got you. Keep doing what you're doing. You're going to be okay. Okay. Fast forward. Now I'm the director at Agape. It was a Wednesday night service. I just spoken. It was very exhilarating. Matter of fact, there was a man that came up and said, oh, my God, you're an African-American. I said, yeah. And his, this lady was standing next to me. He said, oh, she has red hair. And I said, yeah. He says, oh, I'm sorry. I was blind before I came into the sanctuary. <laughs> he had a cane. He said, and you started praying, and I got my sight back. He said, that's why. He said, I'm not weird. I, I didn't know that you were an African-American. I didn't know Reverend Kathleen had red hair. I'm not weird. I just, I was blind. And so, you know, it was a very high moment. Yeah. So I'm driving home, and I'm expanded space, and I pull into my garage, and I have a vision. Michael at 27. Michael's driving in a car. And Michael's wondering how his life is going to be. And I say to Michael, don't worry. I'm here. Keep doing what you're doing. Everything turns out okay. Right up here, there's another part of me telling me, keep going. You have more. So my future and my present and my past were all happening at the same time. And I broke down into tears in the garage. I was sitting in my car. I just started crying. I was crying for Michael at 27 myself had this exhilarating service i don't i couldn't see the, the the unknown what it was like it was okay yeah you know so yes yeah the, the idea of just reaching for your 50 year old self 60 year old self 80 year old self yeah. you know that there is a future version of you that has the wisdom that you need that has and then you are in real time also creating that version of you that you see. I just, I find so much there. So, uh, there's so much there. You know what else you can do? Uh, you can actually, the soul is multidimensional and eternal. You can stop and actually tap into the skills your soul already knows in another dimension and pull it in now. Mm. You know, what do I need to know now from my soul that's, you know, eternal? You can do that. Is that just a question that you're asking and sort of getting an answer? The universe will answer any question you ask. But Mm -hmm. most people ask disempowering questions. 
what's wrong, who's to blame, why me? But if you ask what's trying to emerge in my life right now, what good is here that I presently cannot see? You ask those kind of questions, you'll be flooded with all kinds of answers from the universe, the presence, from your own soul. You start to become sensitive to that. And then as we started off here, you know, you're actually tapping into the part of you that's mainly invisible and unknown. Mm. I think we talked about that. Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Do you work with spirit guides? You believe in spirit guides? I, I believe, yes, I believe in um, they cannot help or intervene unless you ask for help. Mm-hmm. I'll, t- I'll tell you two experiences. One, I was walking into my living room one day to meditate, and I just said out loud, thank you, spiritual guides, aids, and helpers, seen and unseen, for your assistance in the great work that I have to do. And this voice said, thank you, Michael, really loud. (laughs) Kissed me on top of the head, and I went into total paralysis. I couldn't move for hours. I was like this. The energy was so powerful that it made me paralyzed. And I was just like this. But I was in bliss. I was in no pain. It was just this blissful state. And then little by little, I could move my fingers. And then finally, you know, be able to be ambulatory again. It totally expanded my awareness. So I had a friend who's passed over. You ever heard of David Hawkins? Mm-hmm. Okay, he's a good friend of mine. We used to do seminars together and things like that. So I, I'm, in, I'm in Sedona with David. I said, David, I had this experience. So he takes out his little wand and does kinesiology on me. And he says, what happened? I explained to him. And he does this thing. He says, oh, my God, you were kissed by an archangel vibrating at 7,000. The human body can only vibrate at 1,000. He said, that's why you were paralyzed. You couldn't handle that much energy. But it changed your life forever. It added another dimension, you know. So that was one experience in terms of, you know, this the spirit. But that was an, that was an archangel. So a few years ago, I was in Costa Rica. Me and my daughter were at the beach. We were the only ones on the beach. And I was swimming. I, I swim. Every time I, I go to the Caribbean, I swim every day. So I got caught out in a riptide. I didn't realize I had drifted that far out. I mean, I was way out there. And my daughter was like a little ant on the beach. So I tried to swim in. I couldn't get in. It was like this double riptide happening. So I know if you swim to the side, but I couldn't. It wasn't working. So I was exhausted. I'm okay. Well, so I went underwater. Was popped back up, and I thought to myself, "Have I had any dreams? This was my last day on the earth. Cause I have prophetic dreams." And I searched. I said, "Is this my last day? Am I supposed to not make it back?" I didn't see any dreams. So I said, "No, okay." So I popped up, and I programmed my mind. I said. Now, first I said, what came out of my mouth was, I need some help here. <laughs> I didn't say it. It wasn't conscious. Yeah. It just came out. I need some help. And then I programmed my mind. And I programmed I said, regardless of how tired the body gets, do not give up. Do not give up. And then a wave came. And it helped me gain momentum. Then another wave came. More momentum. A third wave came. More momentum. So now I'm swimming in. I'm tired. Still takes me a long time to get in, but I program my mind, don't give up. So I finally get in and I feel that sand under my feet. It's like, oh my God. So I get in, I just lay down. 
you know, and I, I get my breath, takes me a while. So my daughter's like, obviously very relieved. And another thought that went through my mind was, if I don't make it in, it's going to be a lot of upset people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't afraid of death or anything. Yeah. When I went under, I was so peaceful. So I get back to L.A., and I have a friend of mine named Alicia. She's a medium. That's what she does for a living. So I tell her about the experience, and she says, can I look at it? I said, sure, go ahead and look at it. So she goes in. She says, oh, you asked for help. I said, yeah. She says, an angel went by and gave you three waves. I said, yes. She says, they can't intervene unless you ask for help. Yes. So as a part of my spiritual practice, I always ask for help. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I do all the stuff that I do. Yeah. And I say, I say, I need some help. Yep. And I ask for help with everything. Yeah. With everything. Like, yeah. I know this sounds so stupid, but I have not struggled to find a parking spot in yeah. a decade. I I'm ask like, for help for yeah, everything, too. Everything. A new request that I learned recently that really has, I've seen just like beautiful in my life is all the time my prayer is show me how it gets better. When, when I'm having a hard day and I have four kids and I'm a mama and I'm really struggling, show me how it gets better. And then it'll just be this moment, you know, an hour later where we're all laughing over something and I'll just get this nudge like this. That's this it. is how it gets better. That, I, that's one of the things I teach to ask the question, how can it get better than this? Mm. Whether it's going good or yeah. whether it's going seemingly bad. Yeah. Because we live in an infinite universe. So even if you're doing good, it can get better. Mm -hmm. so, so because some people have a superstitious thought. Oh, it's, so, it's going so good now. Oh, my God, that means the other shoe's going to drop. No. Ask the question, how can it get better than this? Yeah. And the universe says, this is how. This is one of my moments of it getting better. Yeah. I'm so grateful for the time with you. Oh, Thank been... you for sharing your wisdom and your light. If the audience wants to learn more from you, interact with you, where can they find you online or on social or they can your books? All of that. Yeah. They can find me at my spiritual center. They can watch it on YouTube or at the on our website at agapelive.com, A-G-A-P-E-L-I-V-E.com. They can watch it live every every Sunday or come in if they're in the L.A. area. Or they can go to my podcast, Take Back Your Mind. It's on all the platforms. They can go to michaelbeckwith.com and see where I'm going to be to speak or teach. It's being rebuilt right now, so don't judge it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a work of art in progress nice. right now. It's being redone. So, you know, I have my own YouTube channel and Agape has its YouTube and its platform. So that's pretty much it. If they, if they want to get my book, there's a number of them. One is um, Spiritual Liberation, which is it's really good. I like it. It stands the test of time. The Life Visioning Process is a good book. You Are the Answer is a good book. Um, Transcend Dance is a good book. It has my CD where I have a wonderful CD of good music. It's you know, just whatever you feel. Yeah, <laughs> life visioning is what it's about. How to build? Yeah, it's a, basically a... the life visioning process. It take it, it teaches the four stages of spiritual growth. The first stage is victim. The second stage is being a manifester, and, and the third stage is being a channel. The fourth stage is being. Mm. So the first stage is things are happening to us. The second stage, things are happening by us. Third stage, things are happening through us. Fourth stage, things are happening as us. So I just take Ooh, you... Okay, I'm getting that one. <laughs> yeah. So it takes you through all four stages. Cool. Of um, how to come out of being a victim, how to manifest, and how to be a vehicle to let it flow through you, going into the zone. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, well, I hope you will come back and hang Absolutely. out. Absolutely. This, this has been this great. We blessing. don't live that far from each other. Perfect. Shall I come back? The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.